Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are As we jump in, I would love for you to turn to Titus chapter 2. Uh, we're going to just uh, look at this text here, this chunk of, uh, of a chapter here, and, and really just break it down and see what the Lord is speaking to us. And it's a text that I want to revisit here at our nest. Um, I believe it's of, of great importance, and, and the Lord was just stirring it, and, and I want to just make some time for it. Why not? Because it's here, and we're here, and, and I think uh, this would be a great opportunity for that. Uh, but the message today, if you're taking notes on your smart device, or if you still do notepads and stuff like that, which is my favorite, but go ahead and write this down. Write this down. This is the title, and it's, Let's Be This Church. Let's Be This Church. Uh, it's interesting, that title, because it's a statement, really. That let's be this church. Uh, the reason why this title is so important to me it's because of what we've gone through here for the last five weeks or so. For the last five weeks here at Nest, we've been teaching about the house that God builds. The house that God builds. And we've, I mean, we've surfaced through Scripture and uh, we've surfed through Scripture and we've looked at David and Solomon and Zerubbabel and, and we looked at some stuff here in the New Testament with Christ and, 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 and we've, we've really broken and chewed on a lot of things for the last five weeks. And I'm going to be very honest. It's been one of my favorite series of messages um, that we've done here at our nest. And the reason why it's one of my favorite series of messages, as I shared this last week with all of you, if you're here, it's because the Lord has truly made these last five weeks personal to us. He's made it personal to me. And I pray that he's made it personal to you because it has really been a personal message a series of messages to our church. So much that even when I was invited to preach throughout these last five weeks at another church, I couldn't share anything that I was sharing in the last weeks with you guys because I felt like it was a, a specific assignment and word that God was giving our nest. And because of that, I, 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 I don't know, I just feel like it's, it's ours for right now. We're in that moment and, and we're listening to what the Lord is telling us. So, so today, what I would like to do is, I would like to continue being personal, um, as the Lord has been personal with us. And I want to speak, in being personal, I want to speak boldly, right? I want to speak boldly and personally to each one of you, as we should with the Word of God. And as, as we read through this text, I would like for you to repeat this in your mind, repeat this statement as we read through certain things in this text. Let this be us. Let us be this church. Let's be this church. Let's be this church. So as we read certain things, let that be me, Lord. Let this right here be us. Let's be this church. I, I pray that you would be able to do that and um, really be encouraged by what Paul is writing here in Titus chapter 2. Let's jump on this. Uh, let's go to verse 1. And we're going to look at this and we're going to see um, where we fall and where we're at and be encouraged through this. Depending on what translation or what Bible you have, yours may say um, the qualities. It may say the qualities of a sound church. Uh, maybe it'll say uh, promote right teaching. Um, who knows? But 
in bold letters and a bold title on top of chapter 2, it, it says something to that degree. The qualities of a sound church or to be sure to promote um, proper teaching. And, and I like that in mind it says a sound church. The qualities of a sound church. What is the word sound? What does it mean to be a sound church? And I think that's so important, the word sound, because we're going to see it immediately in verse 1. The word sound, if you look it up in the Greek, it's to be whole. It's to be healthy. It's to be well. And this is what it looks like to be a healthy, a sound church, a well church. You see, as Nest Church grows and as Nest Church builds, as, as Nest Church continues to stretch, how many of you can say amen? I don't want to be a wacky church. I don't want to be, I don't want to have wacky people. What do we want? We want that the power of the Lord is in this place. We want that the word of God is preached in this place. We want that people are served and are serving in this place. A church that is, that is sound, that is healthy, that is whole, that is well. It's got the right temperature. It's at the right place. It's being led by the Holy Spirit. Let's jump into verse 1 and let it speak to us verse by verse. I think it's going to do uh, great things in our lives today. It says this. It says, as for you, Titus, as Paul is writing this letter, he says, promote. Promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching or sound doctrine. Promote the kind of living that reflects or speak the kind of things that are for proper or wholesome teaching or sound doctrine. Teach these things and promote this kind of living. Make sure that when you speak, he says, make sure in verse 1, he starts off, that it's sound and that the teaching is sound, the doctrine is sound, and the lifestyle is wholesome and that it's well and that it's healthy. And you look at verse 1 and right off the bat, we can say that there are many individuals whose lives and whose actions and whose deeds, and maybe we've been there ourselves. We could be very honest today here where our deeds or their deeds disprove their claim to who God really is. Maybe you've been around someone, we've, said, we've shared this here, and, and you're talking like, yeah, I don't know if this person really knows the God that I know. I think we know two different gods. You've ever had a conversation with someone or dinner with someone, right? We've, we've had that here. And you've walked away from that like, I think we know two different gods. I think these are, these are just two different things, two different people we're talking about here. And, and we've been there, I've been there um, numerous times where I'm just dazed, like, what conversation am I having right now? This person is not speaking from the Word of God and the God that he knows, supposedly. And, I mean, I'm sure maybe you've been there. Sometimes their lifestyle, they claim to know God, they claim that God knows them, but their lifestyle does not show that. So the way that we speak, we affirm rather than denying the claim to know God. The way that we live gives claim to that. So the way that you open your mouth and the words that come out of your mouth and the lifestyle that you live, it will demonstrate whether you truly know God. Amen? And that's, that's what a beautiful introduction to chapter 2 in verse 1 here. Let's keep reading verses 2. Uh, I'm going to stop at 5 and then we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. It says, teach. So reflect wholesome teaching. Make sure that you... You, 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 you speak sound doctrine, and then he says, but teach also, look, the older men, love this, to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, to live wisely, 
They must have sound faith. The New King James, sober. They must be reverent, temperate. They must be filled with love and patience. Verse 3. Similarly, uh, teach the older woman to live. To live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. Verse 4, teach older women, I'm sorry, verse 4, these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. I'm, I'm going I'm to use that for a moment. Maybe I should stop there for a second. Should I read that again? No, I'm going to read it one more time. These older women, I know when I said it, that's not me. Well, if you did that, it's probably you. Okay, here it is. These older women must train these younger women to love their husbands and their children. I, I like that, and we're gonna, you're going to see why in a moment. To live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, right? To be homemakers, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands. And I love this. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God, or they will not blaspheme the word of God. Verses 2 through 5 this, this, this is a heavy text. This is a, a heavy part of scripture here. But it's a lot of truth there and a lot of building up the church that, that was being pastored here and that Paul is writing to give instruction. And he starts off with the instruction of, let's talk about the men for a moment. And I love that because what, what he's doing is he wants to make sure and he wants to shape the leadership of that gathering. He wants to break down the leadership of the homes the leadership of the church, and he wants to break down and say, I need to talk to the men for a moment. And he says, instruct the older men. And then he says, and then he goes into the women, instruct the women as well. This, this needs to be a part of what you're doing. And when you instruct these men, what does he tell them, what does he tell them to do? He says that they should exercise self-control. Exercise self-control. We are in the city that will test your self-control. I mean, Miami is the best place to live to know whether you have any kind of control at all. <laughs> can't, you can't beat it. You, uh, it is said that if you can live in Miami, you can live anywhere else in this world. I don't know if that's true. I've only lived here in Florida. But I kind of believe that statement. Exercise men's self-control. It doesn't mean that it will always just appear it will just always be there. But Paul says it needs to be exercised. And I love that he writes exercise because it has to be worked out. You, you work out and you exercise your self-control so that you don't lose it. It's got to be something that you always put to work. How many of you can say that to have self-control is very difficult at times? Let's get very personal. Just in your own walk and faithfulness to God, sometimes in your own relationships with the ones you love, sometimes just in the, the very relationships with the people in this room, man, it is hard sometimes to have self-control. Well, Paul says, well, I can't believe you have not received that from God yet. He doesn't say that. He says, oh, your responsibility is to work it out. Your responsibility is, is, is work it, is exercise it. Put it to work and, 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 and really focus on this. And this is, a, this is a statement or a phrase that we're going to talk a lot about, about this self-control. 
Why do I have to exercise as a leader? Because I've shared in this church so many times that as we come to Christ, instantly the Lord wants to lead, use us to lead in this world. You become a leader in your family. But I've never gone to Bible school. Okay, the Spirit of the Lord lives in you. You're called to lead. Go to Bible school if you want, but you're called to lead if the Spirit of the Lord is in you. The Word of God is in your house. You're, you're reading it in your team. You're a leader. I don't know if I want to be a leader. I'm telling you right now that if Christ is in your life, you are a leader. Amen. You're called to lead. And you exercise this. Why? Because you're called to be worthy of respect, he says. You're to live wisely. You're to be sound, right? Well, healthy. Sound in your, in your faith. He says in the scripture, you're to be filled with love and with patience. Hmm, patience. You're to be reverent, as the New King James puts it. The word reverent is a beautiful word. It's a word that means worshipful and respectful. You're supposed to be worshipful and respectful, yes, even or most importantly, with the things of God. With the, with the things that God's called us, with his word. I need to be worshipful and respectful towards it. I need to be temperate. Everyone say, the word, everyone say that, temperate. Yeah. I, I need to be an individual. We need to be individuals who are not extreme and not excessive and... We're controlled. Are you, an, are you a controlled person? Not a controlling person. You need help. A controlled person. A controlled person. Meaning that you're under the Holy Spirit's control. As God is building this house and God is growing you in the things of the Lord, and as we read through Titus chapter 2, as this letter speaks to us, what is it saying to us? It's, it's asking us through this text, is the Holy Spirit leading our lives? Come on, let's be very honest. On that little pad or on that device that you're writing notes on, answer that. Are you truly being led by the Holy Spirit? Is He controlling you? Are you hosting? Is He living in you? And then He goes on in verse 4 and 5, as we read all the way up to verse 5. He says, These older women must admonish the younger woman. They must train the younger woman to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely, to be pure, to work their homes, to do good, to be submissive. It's an amazing, it's an amazing introduction here to admonish, to train, to teach, to give instruction. Women, he says, you live in a way, and, and this is what he's saying, that honors God. And this is not just for women. This is for the whole church. This is for every believer. But women to live that honor God, they don't slander others. They're not heavy drinkers. But, but instead, their, their mind is given to, to teach and to teach what is good and to train even younger women. I wrote this down in my notes. If you're married here today, I'm, I'm going to speak to you for a moment. And, and I can just talk to the women for a moment. If you're a married woman here, uh, I want to I wanna very lovingly tell you this, that your advice and your life is to teach younger women in how they should love their husbands. We are the community. We are a family. We are a gathering of God's people. And this is how the early church was. We've just tended to lose the heart of the early church as we've grown and we've built this Western Christianity. We've built these amazing organizations 
But the reality is the heart of the early church was this, was getting together. And there are women that are engaged. There are women that long to get married. Come on, older women who are married. What can they learn from you? What do they hear from you? In this church, what do we need? Older women that would what? That would rise up and do what? To teach the younger woman. This is what a woman of God sounds like, looks like. This is how she walks. This is how she thinks. This is how she lives. This is how she loves her husband. And this is how she loves her children. Women, younger women need to see that from us. So that we could be the church that we're called to be. And that's, that's what he's saying. Our advice and our lives that we would work in our homes and that we would make it well, that we would show how, what it is to love husbands and children, to live wisely and be pure, to do good, to be submissive. And, they, and I love in verse 5 where it goes and it says this, then they will not bring shame, then they will not blaspheme the word of God. So I started thinking about that and I said, man, I want to be, I don't want to just be a decent family, a decent nest I want to be great and I want to be I want us to be healthy and I want us to be sound I want us to be well I want us to be right I I want this to be a, a place where we're truly being led by the Holy Spirit led by his word and then I thought about this immediately and said, well, it's going to start with every single one of us answering this text and saying where do I fit in how how am I being directed by the Holy Spirit is it starting with me starting to live by these truths and these principles? To be the woman, to be the man in our nest, in our own families, when you leave here, to be the man or woman that God's called you to be. How many of you can say, yeah? He's speaking to me. He's, he's challenging me. He's saying something to my own place. It's time. Come on. I, almost, I could almost title this, it's time to step up. It's time to rise up. As we said, Let's be this church. Amen? Let's keep reading. It says, in the same way, we encourage the young men. So he's saying, I'm not just talking to the women, but young men. Young men, you live wisely. And you yourself, you be an example. You be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. And let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth. Love this, so that your teaching can't be criticized or condemned. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Slaves must obey masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back nor steal, but they must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. That they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive in every way. Verses 6 through 10, we see that the church is a well-run organism. It's a machine, and it's, the Holy Spirit is working in it and through it. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit works in us and through us? And as he works in us and through us in this organism that we're talking about, we, we, we come to a place where Scripture says we, we come and we teach others. We train up others. We do life with others. And one of the things that we do is we teach them how to be sober-minded, to live wisely, to be self-controlled. 
in the days that we're living in, with the information that we're getting every day, with the stuff that's being fed every single day, we stand up as a remnant and we say, no, where there is foolishness in the land, there is a remnant of God's people that are still wise for this age. That's what our nest should be, a pillar of wisdom. A pillar of wisdom. That's what we're called to be, to be wise and self-controlled. Let everything else come from thereafter. But that it would be rooted in that, man, because of where we're at with Christ, sober-minded. As we see in verse 7, that we would be an example, and the greatest example, right? A moral example so that others, believers, non-believers, new believers, so that they would see the relationship, that they would see that what we believe in the Word of God um, lines up as well with how we live out our lives. Where we believe good doctrine and we also have good deeds. Good teaching, good instruction, good word, but their lives are a mess. Their lives are a mess, but they got a good word and a good... You've been there, you've seen that with your own eyes. I love that place, but I'm not sure I could trust that. End of it. Like, it's sad to, be, to get that testimony. Where you, could, where you have a gift, or you have a talent, or you, 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 you have this word, you have this truth, but your life has not lived up to it. It's very important that we really focus on who we're called to be, that we would be this church. That what we believe in the word would also be seen in our actions. And then he goes on in, 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 eight, in verse 8 and 9, and, 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 and what is it that, that Scripture is, is, is bringing out to us? Well, don't answer back. Don't be an argumentative people. Don't have bitterness in your speech. Don't be so quick to point out the negative in things and in people. But instead, as he goes into verse 8 and 9, he's basically telling the church, lift them up, lift them up, strengthen them in their weakness. If someone is weak, if someone is downtrodden, don't walk over them and don't speak ill. But as a church, what are we called to do? Because we're wise and we function differently. We're called to lift them up in their time of weakness. How many of you have had a moment in need in this church before? In your own personal life, you've had a moment in need? Can you be open about that for a moment? How has the body served you in your moment of need? Have you ever had a brother or sister that came up, that came neck alongside you and just said, in your moment of weakness, in your moment where you needed someone, here I am to show you that I am your brother and that I am your sister. Ever been there? How, how, how was that? How, how, what, what happened there? I know for me, moments like that, I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have that in my life. My faith in my life is rooted in Christ. But let me tell you, a lot of that is also in the relationships that he's given me, in the friendships that he's given me, in leadership that I fall under. If it wasn't for some of these individuals in my life, I'll tell you right now, I'd be terrified to even think where I'd be. You, you see what I'm trying to say? So, so this, is, this is what he's saying in this text where we lift one another up and we do these things and we, we strengthen one another and we make sure that we fight negativity with positivity and we are wise and 
we do all these things well. We don't say words that cause hurt or sever relationships. We've been there. Every single one of us has said or has been said something that has severed a relationship in your life. So what do we do? We're wise. So what? You think before you speak. You know what you do? You grab your words and you put them on a scale and you weigh them. Say, should I say these words or not? Maybe not. Let me swallow them. You don't know how many times I've said things just because I'm regal. And I'll say it, and when I say it, I go home, and the whole day, the whole, I'm just in my brain, and I'm crying. I'm in my bed, and I'm repenting. Lord, forgive me. I was so immature. I can't believe I said that in front of them. Lord, I can't believe I said that in front of this person. I can't believe I said that in front of this family. Lord, I'm, I need to, and, and it's, it's, thank you, Lord, for doing those things. Because you show me, I, you still have to grow. You're still not there. There's still immaturity. There's still stuff you need to work on. There's still stuff that you need to surrender. There's still stuff that you need to confess. There's stuff still in you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Proud to admit that. But, but, but don't hurt or sever relationships. Speak well because we are a sound, because we're called to be this church, a healthy, a well church. We have sound speech, healthy. As a great church, as a sound church, we exhort one another. We urge and we advise, we caution, we warn. We warn all in all, all of it in a sound biblical way where it's healthy, it makes us whole, it makes us well, it makes us united. You know what? I can't hang up. You know what? I can't leave here until this stuff is settled. I can't leave here until we really figure this stuff out. We're called to be this church. Let's be this church. How many of you can say amen? Verse 10, he goes on as he's breaking all these things down. In verse 10, he says, he says this, and it, and it says, you know, or, you, or steal, or, or, or I think in the New King James and the ESV, it uses, um, what's the word he uses there? Nah, I don't have it in front of me. Forgive me. What? Yeah, that word, I think that's the word I was thinking about. But whatever, let's keep reading. It says, I, sometimes I treat this like you're in my house, you know? Just get comfortable, take off your shoes, kick back, and we're going to talk to one another. All right, here we go. No, you don't steal, but you must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. And it says, then they'll make the teaching about God our Savior attractive in every way. Love that. It says that there. Where one translation says, we adorn the doctrine of our Savior in all things. We adorn the doctrine or the teachings of God our Savior in all things. That we may adorn, listen to that for a moment. I'm going to say it one more time. May adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. I mean, we decorate, we adorn through these teachings. Like, what does this stuff mean? What is, what is he saying? I think what it's saying here, that as a sound church, as this church that we're called to be, it can be fully trusted so that in every way we will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. That that's what it is. It's not to mess with this so that we could attract people. This already is attractive. Um, let me break this down a little bit. You don't have to spend time and energy working to make the gospel attractive. You don't have to do that. A church that attracts people to the gospel should be because the assembly, the gathering of believers live out a true, good, and trustworthy life. They teach, they believe what is true, but what attracts me to them is that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They walk what they speak and live. They're not perfect, but my God, they are filled with reverence and temperament under the Spirit of God. 
that attracts people. That calls people, I want to be part of such a thing. See, God is not building in our gatherings, please listen to this, a feel-good or let-some-time-pass event. That's not what Nest is, and that's not what we do. It's not to feel good or a let-some-time-pass event or a social club to best benefit our needs. The Lord is building this house. Come on. And when he builds this house, it's a body of believers. It's a family that gathers and rejoices with those who rejoice, weeps with those who weep, and we be the same mind towards one another as Romans 12 teaches us. That's what we're called to be. When you look at a social club, social clubs are membership organizations supported by dues and fees, charges, or other funds paid by their members. And it says the central purpose of a social club is to provide benefits to members, including access to social and recreational facilities like, like clubhouses and golf courses and swimming pools, etc., etc., etc. But we're not here to see what we could get out of this. We don't gather to see what we could get, but we're here to see what we could offer, to see what we could put in, how we can grow each other, and how I could grow another person, how I could grow personally, and then how I could grow another individual, how we can use our gifts and that which the Holy Spirit is working in us to pour into others who have no knowledge of Him. That's what we should be doing here. You don't know God, good, come under my wing, you're going to know God. Come under this family, you're going to know who God is. I've heard with my ears and I've seen with my eyes uh, these, I, uh, these churches build. But be careful that we lose focus on building an organization rather than an organism whose head is Christ. And who's powered by the Holy Spirit. You could give God some praise for that. The house that God builds. Let's be this church. Not a fancy organization. But a powerful organism. That our teaching and that our lives say Christ is our head. And Holy Spirit is our power. I feel like we've always stuck to that. And may we always remember that. Let's be this church. Amen? Come on. That we'd be, as Paul says, adorned. What a beautiful word. Adorned. Adorned. That the gospel is not just spoken here, but that the gospel is also lived out here. We want to be a people that don't just speak it, but that we live it, amen? That we would be this church. I shared this before, speaking about a Christmas tree being adorned. I don't know if you remember that. Probably sometime during Christmas. But a Christmas tree resting in a stand, it's admired. But a Christmas tree resting in its stand, adorned, decorated, is a beautiful and it's a pleasing to the eyes of those who look on it. It's attractive and it represents what the season's all about. 
as a sound church, a healthy church, a well church, the great church that God's building, were to be adorned with his word, with his teaching, that we would become attractive to the eyes of those who look upon it, that as a great church we will represent and we will affirm a him, him whom we claim. That's who we're called to be. Amen? And you might say, well, how? How can I be this? How, how is this possible? How can I be this sound individual, this sound church? How can I be a great, how can Nest be a great church? Well, let's keep reading, and we're going to, you can see we're already finishing up chapter 2, so it's a good sign. Let's go to verse 11, all the way to 15. It says this, for the grace of God, this is how, this is how, for the grace of God has been revealed or has appeared, bringing salvation to all people and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. Or maybe it says to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We should, live in this, we should live in this evil world with wisdom, with righteousness, devotion to God. One translation says soberly. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Christ has been revealed. He gave his life to free us from all kinds of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. You must teach these things and encourage believers to do them. You have. Everyone say, I have. Mm, you're not convinced yet, huh? You have. I have. So it says you have the authority to rebuke or to correct them when necessary. And he says, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. Don't let anyone despise you. This is, this is how, this is what we're called to be. To become this church that God's called us to be. That no one would despise. That we would be the bride of our Lord Jesus Christ. That grace of God has been revealed. And it's been appeared to us and it's transformed our lives. That women are doing the roles that women should be doing amongst the family. Men are doing roles that men should be doing amongst the family. That together we should be doing family amongst the family. That together we would be healthy and well and whole. But like in every family, having problems and learning how to continue to be family with problems, with stuff. Come on, we're called to be this church, the house that God is building. Whole and sound and well and attractive attractive not because look at everything I could give you attractive because we speak we live truth and look at the way we live it's backed up by the word of God that we would be attractive to people we could do attracting things but if the Holy Spirit is not here then all we did was try to fool people try to pe get people to give in to come in try to get people to give Try to get people to serve, but yet the Holy Spirit isn't here. The truth of his word isn't here. We're just a gathering place. Just have a good time. That's not what we're called to be in this truth, in this beauty of what Scripture is teaching us. How many of you can say amen? amen. We're called to be faithful in all these things. I'm going to wrap this up with this, actually. I was trying to see for the sake of time if I should do it, but I'll do it real quick. In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, it's very interesting because we're talking about the church, for example, today, and we've been talking about the church and even the house that God builds for the last six weeks now. But something that I think is very interesting is in Revelation, it goes ahead and it, it lists 
it lists seven churches. So for me, I figured, okay, this is interesting. That the book of Revelation writes letters. Uh, there's letters that are written to seven churches. So I thought about this, and I want you to see this. Because out of the seven churches, there's six out of seven of them have like this um, negative vibe to them or a negative connotation to them. This thing that you could say, well, what's going on with them? And if you read, you say, I don't, we don't have time to break every single one down. Each one is a whole teaching in itself. But let me give you some of the titles of these churches. Ready? We have the Loveless Church. Can you imagine that? We, we're Nest Church and people look at us weird. Imagine being called the Loveless Church. Come to our church. What's it called? Loveless Church. I'll stick to Nest. I heard people say, well, I don't know if I'll ever be able to be part of Nest Church because I don't know how that's biblical or something like that, right? But imagine being called lovely. I mean, and I have a bunch of scripture I could tell you that Nest Church is actually biblical, but whatever. I really do. Talk to me after service. I'm prepared for that. Like, I think our Nest is awesome. I was hoping for at least a little bit more better. But imagine being called the loveless church. Hey, man, let's give some praise, loveless church. Number two, another church is called the Compromising Church. Welcome today to the Compromising Church. We just love to compromise. And <laughs> Number three, this one's good, the Corrupt Church. Any, any guests today in the Corrupt Church? We'd like to get your info and your data so we could call you and see if you want to be corrupt with us. We'd like for you to give 50%, not just 10, as this is. The corrupt church that God is building. You know, that's what they do in YouTube. They grab that right there and they make it into a thing and they say, Pastor Rigo's a heretic. Look what he said in one of his messages. <laughs> These YouTubers have too much time in their hand. They need to get a real job. All right. Oh, this is good. The dead church. Imagine Easter Sunday coming to the dead church. Welcome this Easter Sunday to the dead church where there's no resurrection, there's no life. The church. These are the letters that are written in Revelation. Oh, this one's good. The lukewarm church. The lukewarm. We're not hot, we're not cold. If you come here, you'll just feel right. Why? Because it's lukewarm. Nothing's going to offend you here. Nothing's going to grow you here. Everything's just lukewarm. Our water's lukewarm. Our coffee's lukewarm. We are the lukewarm church. You sin, it's okay. All right, I'm going to get in trouble. Here we go. Let's keep going. And then we have, which this one's not a negative one, but it has a negative title, but it's actually a positive church. So I don't want to knock this one. But it's so it's, has a negative phrase to it. The persecuted church. Welcome to the persecuted church. We're trying to um, grow in our membership. <laughs> but that's the reality. The persecuted church. How many of you want to be part of the persecuted church? I, hopefully the answer is we all do. I'm just joking, but yes. That's what I've mentioned because the Lord actually tells them though, <clears throat> though it might sound negative, God blesses them actually in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, you can read it. He, he actually tells the persecuted church, you're going to enter tribulation and poverty, but remember always that you're rich. He tells them you're going to suffer. The devil will imprison some of you. 
and you'll be tested, but be faithful until death. I'm going to give you a crown of life. So the, the persecuted church is a good church. But then here's the other church. Here's the seventh one, the positive one. You know what it's called? It's called the faithful church. The faithful church is found in chapter 3, verse 7 of Revelation. And finally, we see a positive title for a church that's been addressed. And you may say, well, what's so special about this church? I'm just going to read it and let the word of God be the word of God. Chapter 3, verse 7 through 11, it says this. It says, this is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David. Look at this. What he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. I know all things you do. And I've opened the door for you that no one can close. You have little strength. Everyone say, I have little strength. You, don't, don't worry. I'm not talking bad about you. It's good that you just admitted that. You have little strength. But I love what he says next. There's a comma. Yet, you obeyed my word and you did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love because you have obeyed. Look at, listen to the, to the, to the, um, how he continues to stress the word obedience. You've obeyed my command to persevere. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to the world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God. They will never have to leave it and I will write on them the name of my God and they will be citizens of the city of God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God and I will write on them my new name. We don't even know it, but He's going to write on us his new name. That's what I pray for. I want to be a church like this. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Lord, I want to be just like this, the faithful church. There's doors that are opening. I like that doors are opening because that's special. When, when doors open, you know what that means? You know what that means? There's opportunities. I believe God's giving us an open door here at Nest because he's saying there's opportunities for us. Not only is an open door mean opportunity, but it could also mean that there's nothing that's stopping this church from coming to God. Jesus is and sets that door open before the faithful, sound, well, healthy, and great church. No one can shut that open door. It's not perfect. We just read in scripture it has little strength. But we're faithful to keep his word. We have not denied his name. We've kept his command to persevere. And because of that, he will keep us in the times of trials. How many of you could say amen? Let this be us. And I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one could take your crown. He who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the house of God, a great church, a destined church made up of faithful men and women, those who hold fast, those who do not fall away, what we call apostasy. Those do not receive a crown, but we are called to remain and persevere. Stay the course. Continue to be sound and live well and healthy. And one day we receive the crown to give it back at Jesus' feet. How many of you could say, let this be me, Lord. Let's be this church. Let's be this church who he makes a pillar in the temple of God. Are we even worthy of that? You could say, just make me part of the restroom. That's what I'm worthy of, a pillar. A pillar, a place of safety, a place where we could say there's safety in this family, a safety 
We overcome with perseverance and we, the Lord makes us safe forever and that's what we await. We shall go out no more where we can never and will never be excluded from God's presence. That one day we'll be there for all eternity. It's a place of belonging, a place where he writes his name on us. I love that he writes his name on us. What is he writing? He's writing a new name on the believer. I love that imagery of him writing a name on us. I have a lot of jokes there, but I'm not going to give you all the jokes that I want to give you. I'm going to just give you truth. The imagery of him writing a new name is none other than unity. It's oneness that we now have with God in all eternity. I have a name that no one else knows. And it's on me. It's, on my, it's sealed. I have a name of God. We're called to be a church that perseveres. A sound church, a well church, a faithful church who's found safety in Christ. A church that belongs. A church that we don't live out and lives hoping for something that might be, but we live out believing that we belong to something. We carry his name. Not our name, and yes, we're in this church, and we could put the ends everywhere in the world. But that stuff's not going to heaven. We carry his name. His name. And we want people to come to Ness because they, we want them to hear his name. Where he could be seen, heard, acknowledged, and respected. Where he alone and solely has, he's the purpose. That the name and person of Christ, that he would be glorified always through this family. That's the church that we're called to be. Amen. So, I'm going to ask you to stand with me because I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask Pastor Frank because I want to pray just this right here over us. Lord, as we stand real quick and we come before your presence, we thank you because we know that you've been speaking deep words to our hearts. You've been giving instruction to this body. But Lord, I thank you because today you're reminding us that you want us to be a healthy church, a well church. One, as scripture says here in Titus, that denies ungodliness and worthy, worldly lust. I pray in this room, if there's anyone that runs to the things of this world, ungodliness, I pray that you would do a work in us, that we would be godly people. Not worldly, not just like what the world does, thinks, smells like, but that Lord, that we would be, that we would have the aroma of heaven, the oil of God, that it would drip over us. That we would be sober people as we stressed that we would be wise, filled with wisdom, that the word of God we'd be rooted in it. And that we in our lives with how we live and how we speak, we'd be able to encourage, to strengthen, and to correct. And that we would live in such a time of canceling, but that this church, this body would never be canceled. That no one would ever be able to despise us. Because as we said, Christ is our head. And the Holy Spirit is our power. And as enemy will rise up, we know that the Spirit of the Lord will rise up above it. Let this be us. Let us, let this be this kind of church. We, we want to be, Lord God, a healthy and sound, a well church. So I pray that you would strengthen and that you would bless this family and that we would be sound and well. And you know, not just because we have to transition, God, but the reality is, it starts even with things like this to fight for what we're fighting for this week. To stand for what we're standing for this week. I'm gonna, we want to help moms and dads and we want to help those children in the wombs that they're thinking about aborting. And we want to finally 
be lifted up during this time and be a voice. So Lord, stir us to even start to be this church, a healthy church, this week in this truth. So Lord, I, I pray blessing. I pray strength. Encourage every single one of us here. Let us be well as you continue to build this house. Let this continue to be built in soundness. Let this continue to be built healthy. We give it to you. Be glorified. It's in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Together we say, amen, amen. Praise God.